Here we go. You're tuning in to Will Love Listen. Now listen. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Will Love Listen. Today, I'll be speaking with Neon Tree's frontman, Tyler Glenn. We go deep and dish on everything from growing up Mormon to coming out gay in Rolling Stone to the band's new album, plus how COVID-19 has affected the music industry. Hey, how are you? Hey, good. Well, it's great to speak with you again. Uh, we last spoke two summers ago when the Believer documentary premiered on HBO. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you on the new album. I know it's six years in the making. I can feel you forgetting me. Compared to your previous albums, how did the recording process differ this time around? Um, I think we had a lot more space uh, to, to like write a lot. Like I, I think the first record we did, you know, you, you have forever to make your first record. And then... Once you start getting into a groove, I feel like the, the the span to like really be creative and like build a body of work gets kind of shorter because of touring schedules and stuff. But like for us, we knew we wanted to come back at a time when we were ready and we had the body of work that was like that we were ready to to push and put out. And so I just got to write a lot. I got to write I think forty songs for this record and wow. really just analyze what did I want to say? What was the story I'm trying to get across? What are the themes I really want to, you know, divest, digest in? And, um, so, yeah, I, it, it was a really nice space, and I think I felt really supported by the band, too, on this record. Um, it was cool. It was, it was really low pressure, which helped foster, like, a, a space to just kind of be really creative. How did this differ from your last album, Pop Psychology? Um, recording wise or content or themes or um, I guess all the, the creation process yeah I guess all around especially since it was you know it's been six years since uh, you released uh, a studio album with the band and having done some solo stuff in between uh, was it a little bit different this time around yeah I mean uh, there's a few things I can point to being different I pop psychology when I wrote it I was still I was still in the closet um, I was writing about themes of, about identity and I was definitely hiding messages way more, I think clearly in pop psychology than I had in previous records. But I think the difference this time around is I'm, I've been out for um, six years and I've been also out of the LDS Mormon church that I was raised in for close to four years now. So I felt like going into this album, I was writing from a very like, level playing field i felt like there was no limitations uh creatively or personally and i attribute a lot of that to coming out and to being secure in who i am and sort of leaving behind some trappings that maybe had limited me in the past um but i i that's not to throw shade on previous records i think i was always being as honest as i could at the moment i think you only can know what you know and i think i've done a lot of soul searching in between pop psychology and this current album so since coming out in rolling stone you've starred in kinky boots on broadway collaborated with imagine dragons dan reynolds on the believer documentary and now contributed to the love uh, victor soundtrack are you happy to see lgbt yeah. themes getting more recognition in the mainstream media i'm over over the moon about it yeah i i uh it's almost because, and, and look, I'm not thinking we're even there yet with enough representation, but I think, I just think about, like, 
when I was closeted in my 20s the previous decade and how like there wasn't a lot you really had to search and dig deep to find queer themes or films or documentaries about queer history like so I just I, I see a lot of mainstream access that LGBT people didn't have and I, I, I think that it has a lot to do with streaming and a lot to do with platforms um able to like produce more content and I think the internet's provided a space where you realize we are here we need stories about our experiences um you know if I had a show like Love Victor or, or a movie like Love Simon when I was a teenager I probably you know would have felt a bit more at peace with who I was or maybe seen myself in somebody on that show so it does you know bring me a ton of joy that not only am I able to be a part of some of these things but that more and more those stories are being told you know so it's it's awesome yeah and no, I, I completely you, you know we're on the same page there for sure do you have any yeah. similar projects in the works yeah i mean i'm i'm uh i'm writing a book and i think it's a book that i would want to eventually option to you know i i'd love to myself be a part of this the storytelling community in in visual and i think i've gotten to do a lot of that through music and through interviews and the documentary believer, but I, I think I could have a, a really interesting voice and bring some more of that to to TV and film. So I definitely have my sights set on broadening in that in that way, but I think it's, you know, it's early. And I, I also know we're in such a flux period in, in culture right now, so it's interesting to see how that's going to change the way we tell stories and the way things get made. But um, yeah, I, I definitely have my eyes and, and sights set on things outside of just making albums. For sure. Having spoken to you in the past, and of course become familiar with your work, um, I think you have a very unique story. Um, so, would the book be uh, an autobiography? It's so early in the stages. Um, you know, I, I I feel okay talking about it because it's you know I don't I don't mind being transparent about what I'm doing. But I think it was I'm erring on the side of something a bit of a capsule memoir where it's more chosen stories that fit a theme I'm wanting to get across, but stories from my life. I, I don't know if I'm ready yet to do the, the I was born in such and such town all the way to the end of my life because I'm only 36, you know, but I feel yeah. like I've led a few lifetimes and like, I, I feel like I have a lot of stories that I've never found a place to share. And so it's definitely, I, I'm, I'm considering more of like a capsule set of essay collection of stories versus like a front to back memoir, you know? Yeah, no, I see. I think that's an interesting concept. I think just to end that thought, I, I do think like I'm also like my parents are still alive and there's people, I don't know if I want to share every story, <laughs> you know, right away. I think there, there's something compelling about being older in your life and not, not caring as much and being able to share share more uh, uh, so i do consider that too but i mean you know you're still gonna if you if you know if you like <laughs> expose everything you're still gonna have to see all these people after the fact deal with it that's right yeah obviously you sang the theme song somebody to tell me for love victor and i was wondering was that track intended yeah. for your own album or was it written specifically for the show it was written for the show so my friend Leland, who is an incredible songwriter. He, he predominantly has worked with uh, Troy Sivan and Selena Gomez, but you know he also does a lot of TV work. He does a lot of the, the songs in RuPaul's Drag Race and when there's those competitions and things like that. So we, I think we've just been fans of each other's work and he he sort of was the music supervisor for the first season of Love, Victor and uh, had this theme and, 
got me to come over and do my thing on it. And it was an awesome collaboration. It was very like natural and effortless almost. And um, we did that in January of this year, not knowing exactly when the show was going to premiere. And then obviously coronavirus happened and um, a lot of, a lot of things got shaken up. And I was really grateful to have Little Bits come out not only during this time in quarantine where I felt really isolated, but also during Pride, and it, it, it was uh, it made my Pride this year really meaningful. Where I feel like a lot of people's Pride, you know, we were doing it from home. It changed a yeah. lot of the the outward expression of Pride. Um, so it was nice to have a a show like that come out during that time and be attached to it in that way. And I love that it's people really like the song. It was almost like I, I treated it as like this is awesome. Like I I'm writing, you know, writing performing a theme song for a TV show, but I didn't consider it. At the time, I'd be like, oh, this might be a song people actually like, too. So I, I've loved seeing the response to it. Yeah, it's, it's gotten such like a positive response. So kudos for that. It's a great track. Thank you. Speaking of, you know, the, you know, the theme that we're discussing, what was more difficult for you, coming out of the Mormon church or coming out as gay? Yeah, I, and I don't want to I don't want to minimize the experience of coming out because it took me till I was 30 years old to come out. Um, and I, I guess I consider that sort of late in life, but I also, I don't have regrets. I think my life is my life and that's what led, but I, I think for me, I was on the other side of coming out. I was received with so much like warmth and, and so many of my friends embraced me and a lot of the fear about coming out dissipated once I was, was out, but leaving the Mormon faith is a different animal because it's so embedded in your culture and your lifestyle and your family and, uh, you know, my bandmates to some degree. And um, there's just a weird, it's a really weird period of your life when you decide that those things don't serve you anymore, that you don't believe in those things. And I also handle it in a pretty public way and a pretty forward way with my solo record and the visuals I did. So like it made it really difficult and it made it, it, it was a part of my soul, you know, I think. Yeah. I think what I don't always don't always get to is the the part of like it, it truly is a crisis of faith because I for a while felt really out in floating out in space and and I grew up thinking a completely one way and realized wow my my belief system is not that anymore how do I what do I believe how do I find this and um I've been really grateful for that journey to be honest but it's it's been it's been way harder than just simply declaring who I was and living my truth. Um, and uh, I'm on I'm on a good path though, and I, I really have been really happy that I made those decisions and where I am now. So did um, did any of it interfere with uh, family relationships? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, certain siblings of mine. Um, you know, I think my parents were very very supportive. Um, certain relatives that are better of the faith we've had a bit of a fraught you know some misunderstanding some some it's changed certain things but i think the most important thing is that i feel like i do have a support system overall and um i think it's helped a lot of people in my life too me me being bold and i think it's helped people be okay to look at themselves and what they believe in as well and we've had really really important cool talks as a family and so yeah, there were there was some drama, but um, I feel like it's really far behind uh, in my life at this point. So. Your solo album awfully differs from your new album with the band. 
how do you balance being a solo artist and headlining, uh, you know, Neon Trees? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've only made one true solo record under my name, and then obviously this theme song. Um, but I don't necessarily consider the sound and themes of my solo record to be definitive of, like, what I would sound like on another album under my name. I think at that time I was making a specific record about specific things I was going through, and I pulled... I wanted to use sonics that maybe didn't make sense in the way we'd make music as a band. Um, and I think it's helped, it helped me really grow as a writer. And I, I, uh, I think in this new album from, from the trees, it's, I feel like there are things that like I was able to express on my solo record that I, and, and sounds and, and, and certain tones. And I got to pull them into the band world and kind of mix it. Um, but I don't necessarily know if like, the next thing I do under my own name, if it, it, I don't feel trapped to like make it sound like excommunication, you know, I feel like I could kind of go anywhere where within the band, I find like we make a specific sound and it, it's a pretty broad sound. We're able to play with a lot of things, but it's, I still want it to always sound like it's from us as a band. So I think that's the difference, I think. How has the COVID-19 pandemic affected the music industry and more specifically um, you and the band? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll preface the answer by saying I'm cognizant that it's affected every industry, and um, and so I can't begin to like I can't begin to say like this isn't a woe is me issue, but it's really really heartbreaking to see to see how many artists are sort of trapped. Um, we a lot of artists beyond the top tier like pop stars, you know, uh, really rely on live live events. Yeah and really rely on a touring schedule to get their music heard. And, you know, we've been successful and been able to have a career for a decade plus, and that's really incredible, but it still affects us, you know, like we had a really, really hefty calendar planned out that not only made sure we were promoting the new music, but also, you know, recouped a lot of certain things or helped us stay, you know, the ability to make certain other choices with, with money and, um, it's really scary to watch that as an artist kind of be in flux and not know it's so uncertain when we can go back and do that. And then also to know that like my crew that we hire for tours, my art, like they're completely, they, their jobs have been completely taken away from them. Um, and then venue, venue owners and seeing venues close that. Yeah, that's very sustain sad. on bands playing every night. And so it's really it's really scary. And I think as an artist, I feel in a good position because I always have my expression and hopefully that sustains us through this weird period. But so I always have the ability to create, but I, it's really daunting to think about when we can go on tour and when we, it's not, and it's not an ego thing. I, I don't mean it to sound like, man, we can't go you know, play shows for our fans. It's more, it's more than that. It's really like what we've been doing for, you know, 10 plus years. And now it's, completely sort of taken away um so i have hope but i i it is it is really uncertain um to be honest yeah no i i understand that completely and i definitely wanted to get your perspective because i cover a lot of music shows in the area i also dj for a top 40 radio station and there were a plethora of like major events which were postponed ideally to next year and you know it's a very uncertain period so I could only imagine how uncertain it is as an artist releasing new material. 
I'm sure it's affected you though, like right as a writer and a writer of an entertainment. Yeah, uh, it was. Spectrum, I mean, yeah, it was definitely yeah. an adjustment because there were a plethora of shows this summer yeah. that I was supposed to cover and interviews in relation to those tours specifically. And because they got pushed back, it's like you have to find out basically how to make it work when you have content that you're counting on that uh-huh. um, sort of just vanishes overnight. Right. Totally. What do you see? Do you see um, as this gets better, things going back to normal or do you see a change for the touring and touring and live music industry? My my gut tells me it's longer than we hope. Like I I, I see I see tours being promoted and festivals moving their lineups to, you know, May of early summer of next year. But I think the I do err on the side of believing in science and it just it only makes sense till when we have a vaccine can we kind of even begin to think about like events with more than a hundred people spaced out. So it's really and and look, I'm not above playing a show for a hundred people if that's how we have to go ease ourselves back into it it's less about that it's more like how do you make the income still like how does the venue still function you you rely on ticket sales you rely on food and beer and liquor sales you rely on merch sales like so it's um to me i i think it's going to be really really anyone's game it's really been interesting to watch people embrace the drive-in shows i'm i i'm my eyes are peeled on how those go and how certain bands like them. And um, I think it's, it's, it's an opportunity to be creative until things can go back to normal. But I don't know if like, I don't know if we'll ever see a stadium packed with 20,000 people jammed into a show again. And so that might change how our bigger artists and pop stars play shows as well. And that might alter like where indie artists can play or, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I don't think live music will ever go away, but I also think it might push us into a place where it was already headed, where a lot of digital stuff is just going to get better, and a lot of people are going to prefer to watch their stuff digitally, I I suppose, which is interesting, too. I don't know. It is forcing a lot of us to kind of face the future. Be flexible, yeah. I guess this is the next phase. Yeah, totally. Um, what do you have planned? Um, do you have anything planned? Any drive-ins, um, appear- appearances, etc.? We don't currently. Um, there's a few bands in in LA area that have that are friends of ours that are doing fits in the tantrums. Uh, I know Third Eye Blind did one. I think for us, it's a matter of us getting in a getting in the same space because we all normally we would just take a flight and fly the crew out and put on a show but I think because there's a lot of factors in in even just getting in the same state (laughs) um right now with travel and safety like it's it's kind of hard so I think we're playing it by ear I think we're very open-minded I know we want to find some ways to play this new music and at the same time if we have to wait a year before we we tour this record I think that's that's what I guess we have to do but um but it's not without wanting to definitely be out and figure out a lot of stuff. In closing, what song on this record is most meaningful to you? Oh, I like that. I like that question. Um, the record as a whole is really meaningful, so I'll just I'll say <laughs> that. There's a, song, there's a song called Mess Me Up that I'm really proud of as a writer and, and tonally. I think it's produced really, really interesting. Um, and I don't think as Neon Trees we've ever had too many 
mid-tempo, like, ballad songs, and I think we really did well with this one, and I'm, I'm proud that it's on the record. So that, that one means a lot to me, and it's really, like, it's a really interesting melody, and and it's really heartbreaking, and I, I, I really err on the side of liking sad songs, so I think there's something really, it ticks all the boxes for me, so I'm, I'm proud of messing up. Well, I want to wish you a big congratulations because I love the new record and it's been long awaited because I, I love the last one. So, um, major kudos. Oh, thank, you. thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. No, I really enjoyed it. And thanks for thanks for talking to me, too. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to pick up the latest issue of Out in Jersey Magazine to read Will Love's monthly music memo. Find out the hottest albums available on shelves and streaming platforms now. Second episode, great interview. I always love speaking to Tyler Glenn. Um, I've interviewed him over the years, and I was very happy that he was able to join me on the Will Love Listen pod. So what did you think, producer Jenna? I loved <laughs> listening to him. I love his music. So to hear a little bit more about like his perspective on life and growth and identity, it was just nice very eye-opening yeah and i like the fact that he was very vulnerable and he opened up about so much and that's always refreshing um because i know it could be intimidating talking about sensitive subject matter like what we spoke about today i think that um one of my favorite parts is when he was talking a little bit about his collection of essays right it's not really an autobiography he referenced it to be some kind of memoir he said like he'd probably wait a little longer because there's still family and there's some stories you wouldn't want to share. That kind of resonated with me. It's like, I don't want to like bear all, at least not yet, but it's true. The older we get, the easier it does get to share. It becomes to share, right? And yeah. <laughs> and I was asking him about, because I wanted to know, I'm like, how juicy is it going to be? And he was like, well, I'm taking my time because I'm like, I'm 36. So whatever I say, I'm going to have to live with the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. And also like 36, is that really, I mean, that's a lot of years, but there's so much more life to live. I, I want to know that, Will, if you had a memoir, what would the title of your memoir be? That's a good question, because I always, <laughs> I've lived a fucking crazy life, and I still do, and there's so much stuff I could spill, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of it would be relatable to people, um, but I want it to be more tongue-in-cheek, just because there's, like, like, make light out of everything. I don't know. It's a heartbreak, not cancer. What? <laughs> or bitching and breakthroughs. I like that one. I like it too. That's a good one. Should we even put this out there? Someone might steal it. I know. True. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, that was going to be a third title, the, um, but I think it's too much. Like mm. it comes up too serious. So, but I do like bitching and breakthroughs. Okay, I do like that too. Originally, I always wanted to write a book called, and I thought about this for years, like bitching and blogging. But I don't have a blog. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mainly write, and most of the stuff I write are interviews with other people, so it's not really about me. So that title would not be applicable. But I think Bitching and Breakthroughs is a great title. Bitching and Breakthroughs, a will love memoir. Or it's a breakdown, not cancer, because mm -hmm. sometimes life just breaks you. Or it's a heartbreak, not cancer, because if you think about it, it doesn't just have to apply to relationships. A lot of the, our disappointments in life, the shit, the traumas that happen to us, you know, it breaks our heart. So right. it's heartbreak, not cancer. So yeah, I've thought about writing a book. If I had one, it would be, I'm almost there, I'm just running a little late. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a wordy? Too wordy. Yeah, it's my daily <laughs> mantra. 
<laughs> to anything. I'll be there soon. Just I'm, running I've been a little late, late to my own birthday parties what? certain years. So yeah, <laughs> you should be allowed. It's your birth. It's it's your birthday. Like you should be allowed to run a little late. I saw there's um so Chrissy Teigen uh, posted. I think it was like one of her kids' birthdays. Yeah, and she called it yesterday, and that's like a Netflix movie too. Um, the, so the concept is it's a day where parents only say yes to their kids. They cannot say no. And I'm like, wow, I want my birthdays to become yes days. Yeah. That's a good idea. It's good for manifestation. Yes. So if I run late, oh, that's fine. It's allowed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every day is my birthday. (laughs) And I think that like on the topic of memoirs, like it should be something that you're proud of, right? I mean, not that every moment in your life is something you're proud of. You should share even the moments where you were kind of ashamed or embarrassed. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I did. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. But that goes to say that you should also have some type of sense of your identity when you get to that point. And I think Tyler, he touched upon that too, where he spoke about how like the previous albums before coming out, he he was unsure of himself and they were what they were for the time. But now he feels just so much more in his element because he is certain of who he is. He is certain of his identity. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So... I, I can kind of relate with that because sometimes I would put a project out and I'm not too proud of it because at the time I wasn't sure of myself. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. No, that's true. And I think that's something, I mean, we could even relate to doing this podcast because there were a couple of recaps that we recorded and we just decided to just dump it and redo it because mm-hmm. we were a little bit timid about, or at least I was maybe about being so open. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was an excellent point. And then Going back to what he said, like even Pop Psychology, the last album before he came out, he said there was a lot of almost like subliminal messages. And if you just change some of the words around, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting when I asked him what was more difficult, coming out as gay or leaving the Mormon church. Mm. And it was interesting that it was the latter. And I think that just speaks to how much the church was so involved in his life that you know it was more difficult to sort of be honest with them about who he was instead of being honest about the world because you know someone doesn't like you or judge you because of your personal life you know they can fuck off but when it's people that you like grew up going to church with which is a very personal experience and all of a sudden they view you as tainted i think that probably does cut more personally yeah there's sometimes i want to even god my life is not as serious right my problems i mean they're just not as serious as as problems that people around me are dealing with but even sometimes to like post a picture on instagram i'm like should i share this with just my close friends or should i, I share this with the public yeah, like because no I, trust me because like i've we went i went out to sell we went out to celebrate a friend's birthday a couple weeks ago george's birthday and um we had a good time but i we all fucking hated the photo and i was hesitant to post it because i we all hated it but it's like ugh, i can't be that like Mm-hmm. super like official or like you know what I mean and surface level that it's like it was a good time just fucking post it right and did you post it yeah I think I saw it it didn't look bad uh, I hated the fucking oh lighting. my goodness I'm gonna have I to go like back my cheeks looked huge I don't I don't recall that <laughs> I just recall seeing three attractive young men sitting at a table oh, <laughs> enjoying the night out <laughs> That's what I remember. But yeah, I, I, sometimes I question and I'm like, is this something or is this point uh, like a perspective that I want to bring across or an opinion that I want to express? Should I share? Should my mom follows me on this? You know, like, should I share this? Yeah, true. <laughs> what would she think? So I, I definitely understand like how I definitely understand how that works. Right. So my memoir won't be coming out anytime soon. I think that it's important for us to still document moments, to still 
be proud of things that we accomplished even now when we feel like, okay, maybe I'm not feeling as fulfilled. Like just the other day I was thinking, maybe I'm not happy with where I am right now yeah. as a result of everything that happened in 2020 uh, and 2019, right? But if I could wake up and at least do one thing that I'm proud of, I will feel a lot better about myself and it won't just be a constant like just train of just pity parties. Right? I know. Yeah, I had to start getting into that mentality. It's like, do you accomplish one thing every day that you're happy with, no matter whether it's big or small? Exactly. Like I washed my face and I was very proud of that. I made <laughs> breakfast for myself yeah. and I was very proud of that. You know, things like that. That'll kind of set you up, set your mood up for what the rest of your week or even month could look like. Are there any other projects that you're working on right now that you're like, I'm really proud of this? And um, I mean, some work stuff. I'm really like proud of but i'd say my bedroom was a complete and utter disaster it looked like i still moved in so yeah like repainting walls ripping up the rug getting new flooring in, it's like which hgtv I don't like that up in there it's like i don't like that i'm fucking paying for what i'm paying for to get shit done like the floors buying a new desk a new desk i never had a full home office setup so i'm basically buying that i love how i say it's new when i didn't have that wow um so just in general yeah during the pandemic i was basically working out on the my kitchen mm -hmm. with my laptops but yeah so just redoing my bedroom that sounds good you i know. like a new uh, a redo project in my my yeah what <laughs> No, nothing. I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but yeah. I, I just know. want it to be over with and done. Gotcha. That's like, I'm just one of those people. Sometimes even in the moment, I don't really enjoy putting something together. I just can't wait till it's done. That makes sense. Is that a Pisces thing? Probably. Maybe. I mean, I have a, one of my uh, really good friends, his birthday's March 10th, like two days before me. Mm -hmm. And we're literally in sync about almost everything so it probably is a pisces thing i'm wondering if it's a libra thing to like have something and feel like no the world cannot see this until it's perfect probably libras go back and forth a lot oh god <laughs> I, but that is a pisces thing too and i think that's probably why i get along with libras mm. because mm -hmm. pisces are wish well they go back and forth and libras are the scales so you're always trying to figure out you know where you should land that makes perfect sense it's a susan miller question who i spoke to about interviewing her later this year on 2022 because she gave us all the tea for 2021 yes so episode one i'm looking forward to finding out about 2022 that will be super exciting yeah and speaking of the podcast um there's a lot of good stuff coming out we speak to lisa loeb that was a great interview she was so she was really high energy and enthusiastic we speak to brandy clark who after i interviewed her so she was nominated for like six grammys at the time i interviewed her and then right after that she got nominated for a few more for the grammys that just passed so she has so many nominations under her belt now i think it's like eight or nine we have jojo pop star who lived in jersey for a minute so we talk about some personal stuff intuitive april oh that was such a fun so interview much fun that was so much fun we all get hammered <laughs> at least i know her and i did i think jenna was probably the only sober one or sober-ish during and that she interview spilled all the tea she did spill all the tea so good and we have uh hey roberts the big interview sports star so a lot of good stuff coming up. So good. Like the warmer the weather's getting, just the more fun we get to have with this. So it's just new life all around and sunny days, which I'm looking, even though it's like raining. 
today. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but hopefully it won't be when people hear this. And we have so many good guests coming up, especially just in time for the spring, summer. Mm -hmm. um, these will be fun interviews to listen to while you're on the beach or starting to travel again, whatever it be. In closing, I would suggest everyone download Neon Tree's new album, I Can Feel You Forgetting Me. It's their best work yet. So personal. The production's great. Lyrically, it's amazing. Uh, I love them. I always love them. I follow their music from when they first hit the scene with Animal and Everybody Talks. And this new album is super strong. I don't think there was a song I didn't like. So definitely download that and make sure to subscribe to Will Love Listen on iTunes so you could hear our interviews and recaps on the regular. Peace out.